Um, I wanted to start a new series today called How To. Uh, we're going to take a look this morning at how to avoid being judgmental next week, how to stop complaining in a couple of weeks, how to be uniquely yourself. We'll talk about how to be a godly mother come Mother's Day. So we've got a number of topics that we'll cover over the next month or so. Hope that you'll join us for each of those. But today, again, we want to talk about the subject of how to avoid being judgmental. Um, what we find in the Bible is that there's a tendency in the human race to be judgmental, to be critical of others, to jump to judgment. It's a deep-seated blemish that's in all of us. And if I suspect correctly, many of us have been burned by people who have done this to us. Um, people who have looked at the situation that we were going through from their own position, they've looked at it outwardly, and they've made value judgments about our heart, our motives, um, what was driving us. Um, and then they proceeded to go out and spread that and talk about their assessment of us and our situation. And they've even perhaps taken action against us, all based on their judgment from an outside standpoint of what was going on in our lives. Uh, and sometimes they're way off. They're completely wrong in their judgments. And so most of us have been stung by this at least a few times. Um, most of us have. And so this is what Jesus addresses today. We're going to look at Luke chapter 6. Uh, I'll be reading verses 37 and 38. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there, or you can just follow along with this on the screen. We'll put the verses up. Luke chapter 6, I'll read verses 37 and 38. Here we go. Jesus says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this verse, verse 38, is often cited as a verse about money. It talks about how if you give, then it'll be given back to you. It'll be pressed down, poured out, running over. However, if you look at the context of this verse, we realize that Jesus is not talking about money at all. Instead, what's on his mind is the idea of judging others. Um, before we dive into this verse any further, I think it's important for us to identify what Jesus is not talking about when he talks about judgment. Obviously, he's not talking about money here, but also when he's talking about judgment, he's not saying that it is wrong for us to have a legal system, legal justice in our society. Jesus is not saying that there's something wrong with law and order. We know that we can't function without law and order. He's not saying that there's something wrong with having judges who look at that law and then make judgments about that law um, to enforce that law. Just to be clear, Jesus is not speaking against any of these issues. The issue here that Jesus has in view is the tendency in all of us to make personal judgments about other people, personal value judgments about them. He's not talking about the fact that we may disagree with somebody else. That's okay for us to have disagreements. and to begin, But then to go beyond that and to begin impugning the character of other people. Um, and there's a Greek word that's translated judge there, and it literally means to bring somebody to trial, that is to act as their prosecutor. Um, and then there's the Greek word that's translated condemn, and that word means literally to act as a judge and as a jury over somebody. And so what Jesus is talking about here when he talks about judging others, condemning others, is the tendency in all of us to act as the prosecutor, the judge, the jury, and in some cases the executioner. You know, I find that it is so natural, though, for us to do this to take what somebody does and to immediately extrapolate that out to their character, to make value judgments about their heart. We do this subconsciously. And if we're honest this morning, for many of us, 
This is very instinctual for us. This is reflective, reflexive for us to act as the prosecutor, the judge, and the jury rather than acting as someone's defender. Well, this morning, I want to give you four reasons why we have no business acting as the judge over anybody else. The first of those reasons, reason number one, why we shouldn't judge others, is that things are not always as they look. Friends, when we rush to judgment about the way things look on the outside, we normally end up making bad judgments and some bad mistakes. When we charge off and make value judgments about people, we are usually wrong about those. Things are not always as they look. Reason number two why we shouldn't judge other people is because only God really knows what's going on in somebody's life. Only God really knows what's in someone's heart. I don't know about your heart, but my heart is very complex. And it's a place where there's such a mishmash of feelings and desires and drives that are going on inside of there. I can't even know many times what it is that my own motives are. I can't even discern that myself. And folks, if I can't even discern what's going on in my own heart, how can I possibly make a judgment about what's going on in someone else's life? I want for you to see how the Apostle Paul commented on this. Um, the church in Corinth had a lot of criticism of the Apostle Paul. There were things about him that they didn't like, things about his style of preaching or his style of teaching that they found some fault with. It didn't compare as well with some of the other local teachers that they were more familiar with. And so Paul writes a letter to them, and he says these words, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 3. He says, it's a very small thing, these criticisms that you've been making of me. I really don't care about them, that I should be judged by you or by any human court. He says, I don't even judge myself, verse 4, for I am not aware of anything against myself. In other words, I'm not aware of anything that I've been doing wrong. My conscience is clear about my actions. He says, but even then, I am not thereby acquitted. No, he says, ultimately, it is the Lord who judges me. Now, do you hear what Paul is saying? Paul is saying that as far as I can tell, my motives are pure. I'm as white as snow, at least my self-assessment is. However, he says, I don't trust my own judgment of my own heart. It is the Lord who has eventually to decide what's going to happen, inside, what's inside of me, because I can't be trusted to judge my own heart, my own self, my own motives accurately and without any sort of bias. You say, Gordon, why is that? Why can't Paul trust his own judgment of himself? Well, it's because of what Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 says. Jeremiah writes, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Friends, what Jeremiah is aware of, what the Apostle Paul is aware of, is that our hearts are sneaky. Our hearts are tricky. Our hearts are constantly trying to self-deceive and self-justify our actions, our behaviors, our desires, that we are able to justify our own behavior while we condemn that very same behavior in other people. Let me say that for you one more time. We are, our heart is so tricky, so sneaky, that it wants to condemn the very thing in other people that we are doing ourselves. And if you want to see that on display, just turn on the evening news and listen to a politician talk. Um, they are full of this kind of stuff. Friends, our hearts are deceitful above all things, so much so that we can't even trust our own self-evaluation. And that's what Paul is saying here. I can't even trust my own heart, much less be able to judge somebody else. Second reason why we shouldn't be judging what is other people's hearts is because only God sees what's in there. You and I should stay off of God's turf and let him handle that. Only he has the ability to do it. Number three, when we try to judge other people, it often results in a whole lot of senseless hurt. A whole lot of senseless hurt. 
Judging other people when we have no business judging other people almost always results in people getting hurt. One of my favorite people uh, that I know that I've met over the years is a guy by the name of Russell Wall. Some of you may know Russell Wall. He was the youth pastor here at Hebron many, many years ago. And Russell's, Russell's just a really likable guy, really delightful personality. He's always um, seeing the best in other people. It's part of why, um, why he's so fun to be around. And I remember one day Russell and I were talking about how he treats people. And here's what Russell said, and it always stuck with me. This was over 10 years ago. He said, I try to give every person that I meet the benefit of the doubt. I try to give every person I meet the benefit of the doubt. He says, basically he's saying there, you know, when I meet somebody and I see them doing something that I don't necessarily agree with, he said, I, I, I don't want to believe that it's because of maliciousness in their heart or because of some evil that's in their heart. Instead, he says, I want to believe that they're doing what they're doing because they think that it's the right thing to do. And so I give them the benefit of the doubt. Friends, when we come into disagreement with other people, is this how we approach them? Or do we immediately move to motive and to attacking their character and impugning their character? Most of us, when we start making judgment calls, it turns into hurt and nastiness and ugliness and character assassination. And you know, most of the folks that I have hurt in my life is because I rushed to judgment. It's because I didn't give them the benefit of the doubt. It goes back to one thing. Um, I was judging other people's hearts, and I had no business doing it. Why shouldn't we judge other people? Because when we do it, we hurt a lot of people, including ourselves. You say, well, Gordon, this really worries me. I mean, if, <laughs> if you're saying that we're not supposed to judge anybody, and we're just, then that means we're just going to give people license to sin. I mean, there's going to be license to sin running rampant around the church, and everybody's going to get away with everything. Everybody's going to be doing everything. Well, hold on just a minute. There's one more thing that I wanted to share with you this morning, one more reason why we shouldn't judge other people, and that is, number four, that nobody is going to get away with anything. Nobody is going to get away with anything. Listen to these verses from the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse, four, verse 14 is the very last verse at the end of that book. The writer writes, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or or evil. God said he's going to do that. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5? Paul writes that God will bring into light the things now hidden in darkness, and he will disclose the purposes of the heart. And I love Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23, which says, be sure your sins will find you out. Friends, you and I do not need to be inspector general of the world. God is plenty able to handle that himself. God's going to make sure that everything comes out in the wash, that every chicken comes home to roost. He'll take care of it. What goes around will come back around. Don't you worry about it. Nobody's going to get away with anything. Friend, God put you and I here to love people. He put you and I here to care for people, to show compassion to people, to be understanding and patient and kind with people. He didn't put us here to be the inspector general of the rest of the world. And may I say to you that if you're listening today and you're not a Christian and you're concerned about people judging you and you're concerned perhaps even about some Christians and their opinions of you, your chief worry in this life is not the opinions that other people have about you. It is that one day you're going to have to stand before God and give account of your life. That should be your primary concern. God says that he's going to 
judge our hearts, that he's going to, all hearts will be disclosed before him. And if you're listening today and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, may I say to you that there is no refuge that any one of us can take except the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. Because the blood of Jesus Christ covers us, the Bible says, from the judgment of God. And if you're listening and you've never taken refuge behind the blood of Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do that. Something for you to think about. Well, what have we learned this morning? Well, we learned, number one, that things are not often the way that they seem. We've learned, number two, that our hearts are so complex and they're so tricky that only God is able to judge them. We've learned that when we try to observe or overstep God and try to judge people, that we often end up hurting other people. And we've learned, number four, that nobody's going to get away with anything. We can relax. God's got it all under control. All right, well, that's our treatment of this um, text for today. And so that means it's time for us to ask the question that we ask every week around here. What difference does all this make to my life? You say, Gordon, I mean, I appreciate what you're saying. Jesus has a wonderful thought for us, and it's something for me to strive for. But Jesus doesn't live in reality, right? I mean, this is so reflexive for me. It is so, it's something that's so natural for me to want to do. Um, it's like asking, asking me to not judge. is like asking me to stop breathing. I mean, it's just something that I have to do. I look, I see, I judge. It's kind of like Julius Caesar. You know, I, I went, I saw, I conquered. I, look, I see, I judge. I just do it. It's just something that happens for me. So how am I honestly expected to overcome this? What difference does any of this make to my life? Well, let's look back over to Luke chapter 6, and Jesus tells us how he wants for us to avoid being judgmental. He tells us how we can do this. Luke chapter 6, look at verse 41 with me. This is continuing on in that same teaching. He says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? In other words, some big giant telephone pole, some big giant beam that's in your own eye. Verse 42, How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye. I've got some tweezers here. I'll come over. I'll take care of that for you. When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Jesus says that the splinters that we see in other people's eyes usually represent telephone poles or logs in our own eye. And psychologists tell us that this is true. Uh, they tell us that we often judge others harshly, more harshly and more critically in the very areas that we are guilty of ourselves. They have a term for it in psychology, and it's the term projection, meaning that we are not dealing with the problems in our own life that we subconsciously know are there and that we need to deal with. And so when we see those problems in others, we project our anger against them because of the, we haven't resolved the issues in our own life. We project our frustration on other people because of the frustration that we haven't dealt with this in our own life. We project our guilt on them. We get mad at them. You know what? You want to know what your biggest hang-ups and your biggest problems are in life, just look at the very things that you go around accusing and pointing fingers at other people about. I mean, that's why people ride around honking their horn. It's because they're such bad drivers. They're just confirming to themselves that they're just terrible drivers. Now, there's an old proverb that sums all this up. It says that the girl that can't dance is the girl that says the band can't play. Let me say that for you again. The girl that can't dance is the girl that says the band can't play. 
We are masters at this. And Jesus says that we are hypocrites when we do it. We live in the Christian world, and we are great at this. Some of the greatest damage, friends, that we have done for the spread of the gospel in the world is related to this very issue. Not dealing with the telephone poles in our own eye and going out and pointing out the splinters in everyone else's. And we are so willing to be understanding and patient and long-suffering with the faults in our own life, yet we're, willing, yet we're so harsh and so critical and so impatient with those same faults that we see in other people. Folks, you know something? Jesus says, here's how you can get over this. Train the microscope on yourself. If you want to put sin under a microscope, that's great. Go for it. If you want to root out sin and you want to point out sin that's in, in, in someone's life, that's great. Do it. But be ruthless about dealing with your own sin. Root out the sin in your own life. In other words, if you want to turn the microscope on someone, Jesus says, turn it on yourself. And friends, you know what happens when, we've done, when I've done this? The more I focus on myself, the less I focus on other people's stuff. The more I'm willing to see my problems for the big old telephone poles that they are, the more gracious I am in dealing with those same faults in others. See, when I do this, it begins to develop an attitude in me that says, Gordon, when you're trying as hard as you can to overcome this, and this is the best that you can do, then it makes me a whole lot more patient and a whole lot more long-suffering with those same issues in other people's lives. You know, friends, if we live like this, we do a whole lot less condemnation, and we do a whole lot more self-improving. And the combination of those two things, less condemnation and more self-improving, would make the church and the Christian community a whole lot better place to be. Um, my brother and I, when we were little guys, riding along in the car, in the back seat of the car, um, we would start picking at one another. You know, his hand would come over on my side of the back seat, or my foot would go over to his side, or he'd take something from me that I was using, um, and it would just turn into a big old bickering match. And then my dad and my mom would be swatting back there, trying to knock the two of us, uh, you know, some sense back into us. And uh, eventually, I'd hear my dad say, stop. Now, I've, I've heard this before, and I'd, he'd say, what is it? What's the problem? And I'd say, he did this, and he did that, and he'd feeling over there, and he'd hand over there, and then he hit me. And he'd say, stop. Said, That's the same thing you told me the last time y'all got into this. And it was the same thing that I heard the time before that, and the time before that. And then my dad would share some really wonderful advice. He would say, Gordy, you worry about you, and I'll worry about who? Your brother. You worry about you, and I'll worry about your brother. Now, that is great advice, and I wish that my brother and I had taken him up on that advice. Um, friends, listen. When we start in on other people, God could just as easily say to us, stop. I've heard all this before. It was the same thing you were complaining about the last time and the time before that and the time before that. Just stop. Instead, Jesus is saying, you worry about you, and let me worry about everybody else. 
Friends, that is how we can communicate to a watching world that Christians really do care. And then not only that, but that we're not just a bunch of big hypocrites. By loving each other and judging ourselves. The problem is, usually, we love ourselves and we judge everybody else. Let's get it the way Jesus tells us to. Let's love each other and judge ourselves. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we could gather around your word today, that we, this church body, this church family, can hear your truth spoken into our lives. Lord, there's a way that you want for us to live. It's not always easy, but it's your prescription. And God, it leads to us being more authentic, more loving, more sincere, more gracious human beings. Lord, transform us from the inside out by the work of your Holy Spirit. Create in us a new heart. Lord, when those impulses rise up in us, point the finger at others. May we in those moments turn the microscope back on ourselves. And say, Lord, yep, I've got some self-improving to do. God, go with us in the weeks ahead. We pray for your protection of our families. We pray for your provision of our livelihoods. You are our supply. We submit all things to you. We pray these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope that you have a wonderful week ahead. We're just a couple of weeks out from getting back together. We look forward to seeing you soon. We love you. We miss you. Have a blessed day.